So we're doing a series called Frequency. We've been doing this for, um, I think this is week three. And y'all know that um, Seth is going to do the preach today. Seth Austin. Okay. Wow. Seth, one person super excited. Um, Seth and Kristen Austin. Y'all came, moved here like what, January? She, she knows today. <laughs> January 12th. Um, here's our youth pastors. We love having them here. And I, I guess you, everybody knows this, but um, this is my nephew. So he gets all his good looks from somewhere else. <laughs> and I love, love that he said yes to preaching this morning. So, um, hey, why don't we do this? Let's get up on our feet and give him a humongous gathering welcome. Good morning. Um, have fun, cameraman. Um, I move a lot. You might need a wide shot. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to be here, to be able to speak to you guys. I speak to your teenagers, so now I get to talk to you guys. Um, I'm excited about this. Um, I feel like God's been working. He's been telling me some things. Like, there's, there's a portion of this that he two days ago was like, hey, here's a whole nother thing and dumped a whole nother like level on this. So um, I do just want to preface this with I've come from a very Pentecostal church, which means like I need some talk back, okay? Like give me some feedback, right? Because I need that, okay? And if you can't out loud, pray for me, right? If you're going to be quiet and sit there, listen to what God's telling you and just pray for me, okay? That's your task this evening, okay? So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to get into it. God, we thank you for these moments in these times where we get to be in your presence when you call us to you, God. I pray that we would be so attentive to your spirit and to your word that when you speak to us, our souls come alive and that we seek that. God, I pray for every ear, every heart, and every mind to be open to what you would have said today. I pray that I would get out of the way and that you would be God here. In Jesus' name. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> so, those of you that have been here, you know that we're in, like, this series called Frequency. And uh, I know I can't, Pastor Paul, not Uncle Paul, Pastor Paul had talked about sound a little bit. And then when I was, I was like, oh. I love sound. Like, there's so many cool things about sound. So I'm going to geek out a little bit with sound. But first off, there's a really cool thing with sound that happened at the University of Tennessee the day that we beat Alabama. Okay? The previous record for the decibel levels on the field was 118 decibels. When we beat Alabama, that broke. 125.4 decibels on the field. Now, I want to explain something. The 118 was held when we had played Oklahoma. That was so loud that the center, the guy that hikes the ball to the quarterback, could not hear the quarterback call the plays. He said, I turned around and told the quarterback, the ball is shaking on the field and I'm not touching it. The sound begin to vibrate and move things. Now, when I tell you these, these little things that I've looked up, I want you to hold them in your head and remember what is happening, all right? So we know that sound can clean. It can break things down. Ultrasonic cleaners for jewelry, things like that. It shoots the sound waves in. It begins to break down particles. Sound can clean. Sound waves can create force fields. The Air Force has been using these ultrasonic transmitters and they put them on the corners of the windscreens of their jets. And it emits such a constant high frequency that the glass vibrates in such a manner that dirt and water cannot stick to it. Sound creates a force field. The military also uses a thing they call their LRAD, their long range acoustic device, where they can shoot sound out of like a megaphone cannon, and it can go up to a mile and a half away, and you can hear it crystal clear. But it can also be tuned to cert certain hertz and volumes that when it hits your body, it begins to disrupt 
some things, causing nausea, headaches, you get a little discombobulated. Sound can confuse, sound can throw you off. Sound waves can make things float. Now we've known since 1970 that we can levitate objects with sound. Here recently, they have determined that if they put those same sound frequency things in a box, they can hold an object in 3D space. So they can then begin to make a 3D floating hologram object purely with sound. Sound can put things where we want it to be. Sound works in medicine in an amazing way. There's a company that um, is called Exablate, and they have made a medical device that uses in it goes hand in hand with MRIs, which is just a, the magnetic resonance imaging. So they can kind of like scan through and see everything. Well, they have a helmet that they put on your head that has thousands of ultrasonic conductors in it. And they, after they MRI your brain to find the tumors, these things will shoot sound waves tuned to a certain frequency that it does no damage to the brain, but will begin to break down the tumors in your head. They can shoot the sound waves targeted specifically to only do harm to what they want the harm to be done to while keeping the other things safe. Sound can do some amazing things. And here's the thing. Science and God are not at odds. It is not God in science. It is God and he created science. And he's like, this is kind of the blueprint that I made all this stuff into. It is not we do not disprove God. We just know one, maybe half percent of the way God created everything to be. And we discover it as it goes. And we say, okay, these are the, the, the patterns. This is the way God made things work. And God's just up there going, wait till you find out the next thing. So we're going to look in scripture at a couple different places. We're going to be a little bit everywhere. But we're going to look at some sounds. We're going to look at different places in Scripture where sound was used, where God told people to make sounds. And one of the first places we're going to look is in Judges chapter 7. Now, I have a soft spot for Gideon. I like him a lot. Um, incredible guy. Quick, like Cliff Notes version. Gideon is, he's an Israelite. They are under the oppression of the Midianites. They turned from God. God put them under the hand of the enemy. These people are scared, they're frightened, they're hidden out. God comes to Gideon one day. He's like, hey, you're my man, great warrior. We're going to save the people. And Gideon said, hold up. I am in the weakest tribe, but I'm the weakest member of my family. That's the weakest family in the weakest tribe. Like, you got the wrong dude. You, like, maybe your GPS is messed up. And God's like, ah, that ain't how this works. I call out what's in you because you are a great warrior when I'm with you. Now, understand this. So Gideon takes some courage. There's some things he has to do, some other little steps that he takes. Now we're going to get up to verse 17. And at this part, Gideon has seen the enemy. The enemy is out waiting. And God, what's really cool is God says, we're going to go after them. I need you to call the people to come help. And in one of the verses before this, it says God clothed himself with Gideon. And then Gideon blew the trumpet and called the people to war. 32,000 people show up. You guys know the story. It's been mentioned already. God says, that's too many people. Send anybody home that's scared, 22,000 people walk. 10,000 people left. Gideon's like, okay, let's do this. God said, nope, still too many people. Go let them drink. How they drink the water is going to determine who you keep. God says, all right, these 300 are going to be great. We're going to do this. Gideon's like, okay. <laughs> right? So... God tells Gideon exactly what to do. And we're going to jump in in verse 17 here. This is Gideon speaking. He says, watch me and do the same. When I come to the outpost of the camp, do as I do. When I and everyone with me blow our trumpets, you are also to blow your trumpets all around the camp. And then you will say for Yahweh and for Gideon. So out of these 300 men, God said, I need you to split up into three groups of 100. And you're going to go to different locations and you're going to surround the camp. So, verse 19, Gideon and the 100 men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch after the sentries had been stationed. They blew their trumpets, they broke their pitchers, which were covering their torches in their hands. 
and the 300 companies blew their trumpets and they shattered the pitchers and they held their torches in their left hands, their trumpets in their right hands, and they shouted a sword for Gideon, a sword for Yahweh and for Gideon. And each Israelite took his position around the camp. The entire Midianite army fled and cried as they ran. When Gideon's army blew their 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of each man in the army against each other. God said, we're going to battle, but you don't I, keep your sword put away. We're going to do it differently. And like what Paul had mentioned earlier, the strategy is ridiculous. Like this is not like everyone take notes. This is how we do this, right? We've already talked about this last week. This doesn't make any sense. And what's amazing about it is the enemy cannot possibly pre be prepared for something that makes no sense whatsoever. We also cannot be prepared for something that makes no sense at all, which means I can't take credit for it. I can't look at it and go, man, that was genius, right? Yeah, take notes. I just go, I have no clue how that happened, but I'm glad I'm on this side of it and he was telling me what to do, right? The sound that was released. Now, I want you to understand it wasn't just any sound. It was a sound specifically told to them from God to make. It was an alignment with the sound of God, with the sound of heaven. It wasn't just, hey, y'all just go make a bunch of racket, whatever you want to do. Go pick your favorite song and play it. God said, this is the sound you make. But I, I still need you to make it. And then when you do, I'm coming. When you do, you will not have to fight that enemy. Sound is going to confuse them. I'm going to turn their swords to each other and they flee. Right? When you align with the frequency of God and you make the sound God is calling you to make, things change. Because not only are you speaking into this atmosphere that you are in, you are in an alignment with a sound, with a frequency that exists outside of this world, that transcends this world and time and everything in it. It doesn't have to make sense. You just have to be obedient to make the sound. And we're going to jump to Joshua 6, right? We've, we've talked about this earlier in the series, right? God's got his people, and they're marching around the fortified city of Jericho. He tells them, all right, every day you're going to march. On the seventh day, you're going to march seven times. You're going to have the priests carry the ark, and they're going to have trumpets, and this is going to be a thing, and you're going to be quiet. And on this, after the seventh run, you will make a great shout. As Pastor Paul had said, that great shout is the shout of victory. Now, understand this. That shout was made prior to the actual physical victory. You shout with the victory that is coming. The sound that he will call you to make sometimes is a sound of what is coming. Not necessarily where you are right now. I don't need you to muster up the courage because, well, where I am right now, I'm going to shout no. You muster up and you do what God says because of God saying, hey, this is where we're going. You shout and you prepare for where we're going because that's it. Verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted and the sound of the trumpet. And when the men gave a loud, great shout, the wall collapsed and everyone charged straight in and they took the city. The sound waves whatever way God wanted to, that frequency that happened began to break down a wall. I don't necessarily know how God did it, but I know that the sound that was unleashed led to the sound of a wall falling. The sound that they were specifically told to make when they were told to make it, where they were told to make it, had more power than they had any idea of. We're going to jump again, guys. This is like a quantum leap, right? We're going to jump to Acts chapter 16. And in this, we see Paul and Silas. They've been going around. They've been ministering. They've been doing things. They've been telling people about Jesus. It, it ruffled some feathers. It, they, people didn't like it. They were like, no, you need to calm down because you're disrupting the way that we normally do things. You're, you're interrupting my cash flow. You're interrupting my power, and you need to stop. So we're throwing you in jail. 
So in Acts chapter 16, verse 23 is where we're going to pick this up. And it said, I'm sorry if I'm going really fast. I'm sorry. I'm just talking to teenagers and they're like, five minutes and you better go to something else. Right? <laughs> after, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Make sure no funny business happens. These guys, weird stuff seems to happen around these guys. You watch these guys. Okay. He put them in the inner cell, the center cell, not on the outside wall, the inner cell. And he fastened their feet in the stocks. He said, I'm chaining you up. You're in the middle cell, the most watched cell, the least likely to escape cell. And I got you here. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. In prison, shackled up, not a lot of hope, not knowing what's going on. God didn't say, hey guys, just chill out here for a second. I'm a, we're going to do something in a little bit. You just do this. As far as we know, they're just in prison. And their response, prayer and singing hymns. They said so. Their heart posture to God in that moment was, yes, I know where I am is bad, and I'm chained up, and I can't move, and I got people watching me, but I'm going to worship. I'm going to use the sound that I have to pray and to sing hymns to God. Now, listen, and they were very evidently doing it at least loud enough for other prisoners to hear, because that's what it says. It said, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So this wasn't some just, everyone be quiet for a second. All right, one, two, second. This was, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to make some sounds. I may be in prison, but you can't control my praise. I may be in prison, but you can't control my prayer. And then suddenly, Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now, I want you to catch this. This wasn't just the walls. This sound shook the foundations. Okay? The very, like, bedrock that this was built on shook the foundations. And at once, all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came off. Not just Paul and Silas's. Everyone. Everyone in that jail. Everyone in that prison. Their chains fail. Now that's powerful in and of itself. That was what I had. I was like, that's good, God. And God said, we're not done with that. I said, okay. He said, You're going, I need you to keep reading and I want you to catch something that I'm about to tell you. I said, yes, sir. Said, then the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do not harm yourself. We are still here. The jailer called for the lights. He rushed in. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, this is what God told me right here. Sometimes we sit in like a cell. We, we're kind of bondaged up with some things. Some by our own choices. That was a weird way to say choices. Some by our own choices. Some because we've been pushed in these places. And we're praying and we're like, God, get me out of here. God, get me out of here. And sometimes God will say, okay, let's, let's shake the foundations. Let's open the sails. Let's get the chains off. Now listen. God said, I did not do this to save Paul and Silas. This was a rescue mission for another one. He said, it wasn't just Paul and Silas. Yeah, they were there. But I did this because I wanted the jailer and I wanted his whole family. The very one in charge of trying to keep you in that cell. God said, that's who we're going after. 
that sound did not just save you. Now understand this. When you are making the sound from a place of bondage and you want out, it is very important not to be so self-focused that when the cell opens, you sprint out as fast as you can and get away because that's easy. You move when God says move because God might be saying you stay here because you got to take other people with you when you leave. When you leave where you are coming from, make sure you listen to see who God wants you to take with you. See, when we are focused on the sound of heaven, when we are so in tune to God's heartbeat and that frequency, we know I only move when God says move because his, his voice is greater than my thought. His will is greater than anything I can do. Like me to God is like trying to teach my German shepherd how to do quantum physics. I'm not, she's not going to understand. I'm not going to understand God. I can't wrap my mind around God. But I do know that if he says do it, you probably need to do it. When he says do it, how he says do it, at the volume and the level that he tells you to do it. Because there is power in sound. And the very breath in our lungs came from him. So when we begin to use that breath in our lungs to speak out into the atmosphere of the world God created, he says when we are in tune, there's a power behind it that you can never comprehend. He said, and everything on this plane must bow and adjust to the voice of God because he is God. He spoke planets into being. It didn't say that he toiled and he struggled. It just said he spoke and they were there. The very sound of God created anything and everything. And that voice that speaks planets into being comes to you in a still small voice and says, hey, I want to use you. I want you to be a part of this. Because what we're going to do is incredible and it is amazing. And we're going to shake the foundations of things. You're going to be, you're going to open your mouth when God tells you to speak. And in the spirit realm, chains will start falling. And then a suddenly will happen. Not because of you, not because of how eloquent you are or how well you can speak or how loud necessarily you can be. God didn't tell them, hey, when you're in here worshiping in the prison, you scream at the top of your lungs. He was like, you worship, I show up. You want to know where God is? He abides in the praises of his people. You want to know where he is? Are you praising? Are you worshiping? Are you more focused on him than anything else? Because he's there. He doesn't play hide and seek. He doesn't run off somewhere and go, I hope they find me. There's like a little decoder ring in your Bible. No. He's out here going, hey, look at the fields. Look at all this out here right now. I need workers. I need people that are going to come out here with me and say, hey, use me. What do I need to do? That's what God wants, your obedience. And sometimes that obedience is more than coming into a sanctuary and sitting down and just eating. God says, yeah, I'm going to feel you, and I'm going to feed your soul, but you then. God says, I don't do things and bless you and give you things for you to hoard them. You hold everything like this because God said, if I put it in your hand, I can take it out. If I handed it to you, it is so that you can hand it to somebody else. So here's the, the big question, the big idea. What frequency do you frequent? What frequency are you tuning into more than any other frequency? The frequency of the land or the frequency of heaven? Because what you are dialed into more, that sound will begin to consume you more. I'm going to let that sit. What are you more in tune with? I can't answer that for you. Your parents can't answer that for you. 
your grandpappy, who was one of the greatest Christians you've ever known, cannot tune you in. You tune you. You are who determines who you focus on, what you listen to, and what you do. I can't save nobody. Your opinions can't save anybody. We are taught to speak truth, not opinion. And the world is loud. Really loud. A lot of you walk through it. Your teenagers are walking through it like knee-deep mud. See, was it C.S. Lewis in his book um, where he's got these two demons and they're talking about how to mess up the world? He said, all we got to do is just make enough noise to where they can't hear God. Just enough. Just to drown it out a little bit. And if you look out in the world we're in today, <laughs> it's loud. There's so many things screaming at every one of you anytime you pick up a phone, anytime you turn on the television, anytime you drive down the road. We are being bombarded with so much noise and sounds that want to pull you and fill you up with their sound. And listen, an empty cup is easy to fill up. What sound are you bringing in? What are you in tune to? What frequencies begin to flow through you? Because that will change a lot. The enemy wants to shut you up and say, sit down, be quiet, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine, right? Just you sit down. Somebody else more qualified will do it. That's what he wants. That's what it, and we play with him with kid gloves. We're like, I'll dance around him. It'll be fine. It's not a big deal. He wants you dead. He wants your family dead. He wants you separated. He wants no part of you to figure out and to understand how God created you and the power God has put in you. Because once you figure that out, you are a threat. The easiest way to make a lion not a threat is to convince him he's still a kitten and to put him in a cage. Your sound, your testimony carries a weight to it. There are things that we can speak out. Scripture says life and death is housed in the power of the tongue. God, the creator, did not accidentally give you that ability. God said we will be co-creators in this. So with the heaviness and the weight that you have that, we need to understand things. That idle words can affect a lot more than you think. You are called to speak life, not death. And a lot of times, opinions tend to carry death with them shrouded in just good feelings. Life comes from Scripture. Life comes from the Word of God. Speak life. The sound and the frequency that heaven needs to release into this world will be released through his people that are willing to open their mouth. God doesn't have to use you. But he wants to. Like, get that in your head. He wants to. He desires to use you. His favorite tools to use on the planet? Us. So do not be frightened when God reaches for you off the shelf and is like, you're the one I'm using today. Be ready. Make sure your batteries are full of the right stuff. Right? Make sure you've been plugged into the right things. Because when God's like, we're ready to use you, let's go. You're like, I've been waiting for this day. The tool does not determine what I build. The tool helps the builder build it when it does its job. The tool doesn't take credit. But it gets to be a part of it. We're going to
jumped to Ezekiel because God said, let's talk about Ezekiel. I said, okay. He said, you want to talk about sound? You want to talk about speaking things? Let's do this. So in Ezekiel chapter 37, you've all heard this story before. But it's big. Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 14. And this is Ezekiel speaking. He said, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, and the bones were very dry. They were very dry. These were not freshly made bones. These were dry bones. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, he said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's, that's a pretty good answer, right? <laughs> God, you, know, you know, Lord. What are you about to do here? And then he said to me, this is God speaking back to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. And you say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God looks at Ezekiel and says, see this? You see this death? You see this nothingness? You see what many would think is just garbage? We're going to speak life to it. And God said, I know I can bring it to life. I want you to know that I can bring it to life. Now you say these words. You say what I'm about to tell you, word for word. And he says in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. I did what I was told. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound of bones coming together bone to bone and I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them and then God said to me prophesy to the breath other versions say wind other versions say spirit God said again you will prophesy this prophesy to the wind and the spirit prophesy son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me. And breath entered them and they came to life and they stood on their feet a vast army. That's incredible. Like to be there when that happened would be mind-blowing. But Ezekiel knew who he was in relation to God. Because every time he knew, hey, I'm the tool here. I don't make the decisions. God said, can, can these live? You know. God said, say this to them. He said, I'm doing what I'm told. He did what he was told. He spoke out into this valley of death the life that God was calling him to speak out into, and it came. Not because Ezekiel was some special person, but because of who Ezekiel was when he was completely connected and in tune to the frequency of heaven. And in 11, it said, Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore, you prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and I bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. God said, hey, these very dry bones, this is the equivalent of the people of Israel. 
in the same way that you spoke to these bones, you need to go speak to my people. They're dry. Right? It even says right here, they say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone. We are cut off. That society, I don't think, is too different from the mental issues going on today. People are like, I feel like I'm nothing, and I'm cut off, and I'm dry, and I have no joy, and I have no peace, and I have nothing. And God looks at his people, and he says, open your mouth. Use your testimony. Did I bring you out of something? Did I do something in you? Did I speak into you? Is my breath in you? Then you owe it to somebody else. You owe it to somebody else to tell them what God did for you. It is not in any way ever your right to keep your mouth shut and not speak about it to somebody else. How dare we take something like that from a God that loves us so much and see a world that is hurting and desperate and wants it and we go, nah, I'm good. This is mine. Are you kidding me? How many of us sitting in here have been brought to a freedom, have been brought to a new level of God and understanding because someone else stood up and gave a testimony. They told what God did for them. They let you know you're not alone in what you're going through. There's a God that's up there that's bigger than anything you can imagine. And he's calling you out of that. Not He did not save you to sit you in a pew until you die. He saved you to equip you, just like Paul had said earlier, to go back out. Church has sometimes turned into a place where we come in here and we are comfortable and instead of it being a place for us to sharpen our swords and get our armor repaired and be ready to go back out, instead we're going to come in here and I want comfortable and I want to relax and I don't want to have to think about the hellacious war that's going on outside. God said, I can raise up any army I want. I want you. Now Stand up and be ready when I tell you. Revelation 12, 11 says, They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Him, what they're talking about here is Satan, the enemy. They conquered the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now understand, the word of your testimony is the power of the blood of the lamb that you have experienced in your life. Your situation is not your testimony. It is the God of the universe that stepped into your situation and said, let's do this. That is the power of your testimony. When you say, hey, this was not me at all. I, didn't, it, I couldn't do it. I never could do it. I know you can't do it. And the weight of it is really, really heavy. And it feels like you can't move. But there's a God that says, hand it to me. And let's clean you up. Let's brush you off. Let's take the garbage out to the curb and let Satan pick it up. But there must be a willingness in you. If you're not willing to do the work, if you're not willing to make the sacrifice, you will not see the outcome completely that God is calling you into. It's not easy. When Jesus, when Jesus was telling you what was going to happen, he never once said, hey, this is the easy button. He said, in this world, you will face troubles and hardships. You will be persecuted. How dare we think, if I'm living like Jesus, that I should not be treated like Jesus was treated? I'm above that. Are you serious? God himself put on flesh and bones, walked down here, and we hated him. So what do we think of ourselves when we say, oh, well, that shouldn't happen to me? A heart posture. Are you in tuned to the power of this world and the authority that you think another human can give you? Or are you understanding the power and the authority of God that transcends everything? A voice that speaks through everything. A voice that silences storms. A voice that calls you into a calm. 
the voice whose power has the ability to raise the dead, bring life out of something. That frequency we need to be in tuned with. God is saying today that there is a sound in you, and he didn't skip any of you. This is not just, well, about 10% of y'all, right? Everybody, everybody, there is, there's a sound in you. Do you know how I know this? Because God knit you together in your mother's womb. Every facet, every aspect, every single cell of DNA, every hair on your head, God is obsessively, compulsively in love with you. And he said, I know what's in you because I put it there. I know your passions because I made them. And let me tell you, your soul will come to life when its creator walks in. And the unbelievable feeling of you being able to walk in and operate in the very thing that you were created for in your soul makes everything look dull. Because nothing can compare to that. Nothing. It'll make you hungry for it. It'll make you say, look, whatever's in the way, I don't care. Move it out the way. Because I, that's what I want. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And I feel like sometimes in church we try to, we have to upsell heaven. We have to upsell things. It's Jesus. I'm not trying to scare you out of hell. I want you to understand on that side is Jesus. And that is all. And that is everything. And it's only ever going to always be everything. I didn't get saved so that I hope I don't go to hell. I got saved because I get to be in his presence forever. Forever. There, after this, there will never be a moment where I'm not in his presence. There will never be a moment where my puzzle piece of my life is not completely connected fully to who God is. We get tastes, tiny little tastes of it down here. And if you're not hungry for it, I say you haven't had enough. When God says it's time to eat, we eat. And then God says when it's time to serve, we serve. I don't want to be a holy bum. I don't want to be just a placeholder. I don't want to get to heaven and have a realization come to me of, wow, we could have done a lot more. When God says speak and release his sound, you release that sound because foundations shake, chains fall off, walls crumble. And not physically all the time, mentally and in your heart because there is a power in that sound when the father calls his children home. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Um, how many of you have probably heard of Amanda Cook before? She tells a story about one time that she went um, with this kid's group to the zoo. And it was time for them to see the pythons. And they're like, we're going to bring the snake out so all you kids can see it. Now, I hate snakes. I want nothing to do with snakes. Y'all even try to prank me with a snake. I will be up here next Sunday just repenting for the actions that I will take. Okay? God's still working on me. I ain't done yet. Um, and this is what she said. She said, they brought out the python. She's there with the little kids. And they said, all right, everyone, we need you to be quiet. Because pythons don't have, like, exterior ears, but they can pick up on vibrations and too much noise and the frequency hits them. They can't really function well. So they said, if you want to see the snake, you need to be quiet. You need to calm down. Because the snake can't handle the noise. The snake can't handle the vibrations. It can't function. It messes up the snake. And we will have to take the snake away from you. In a world that is screaming, be quiet. Because the snakes around you don't like it. God says, we about to disrupt some stuff. You've been scared to walk that way because that snake's there? Start making the noise. I'm calling you to make the snakes running because you're about to take that land. You're about to go to that place. Understand, 
God says you make the sound, the enemy starts fighting itself. Satan hates it. Why? Because he wants all worship to come to him. And when you don't give it to him, he's a two-year-old toddler in the candy aisle freaking out and pitching a fit. He hates it. And God's like, have fun, whatever, right? This is mine, right? And he calls us to himself. So today, I know I've gone a while. This is what we're doing. There's a sound in you that God is calling out. It might not sound like the other person's sound. It might not be as loud as somebody else's sound. But the core truth of what that sound is, is Jesus. There is life in you calling out to the life that is God. Give him his breath back in the most holy and correct way you can. So I'm going to have the band come back up. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to make some sounds. Okay? We're going to make sound. Whatever that sound needs to be for you. The sound of freedom. The sound of obedience. The sound of chains falling. Whatever it's going to be. I believe that you came in this room and God is saying, hey, there's still things that I can do with you. Because every time God did something new to somebody, he got a new name. Because there is a new aspect of God. Everything you are going through is an opportunity for God to reveal a new side of himself to you. You do not know all of God. You cannot know all of God. And that is the amazing part of God. Because he says, every situation you're in, here's a new part of me. Everything about me, know me. Know my voice. I'm going to tell you this story. And then I'm going to get out of the way. When I was little, there was a, like a harvest fest that was going on in my downtown area. And they had a, like a hay maze, but like you had to crawl through it and it was like completely covered. And I was little and I thought I was brave enough to do it. I was like, I'm going to do this thing. So I get into the maze and I'm crawling around. scared it's, it's dark I don't know where I am at I don't know where to go so I start like freaking out and I'm like help I don't know what to do and we've been in those situations in our lives where it's like I got myself in something that I thought I could handle, that I thought I could do, and I can't. And I need help. So I did what I knew to do. I yelled for my dad. because I knew my dad was out there. And I was like, Dad, I need help. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what to do. And I heard him. I heard my dad's voice because my dad called my name and I know my dad's voice and I know when he calls my name. My dad had gotten to the end, the end and had come in a little bit to one of the intersections. And he was saying, hey, little man, follow my voice. Come this way. And I'd start crawling because I knew I get to my dad, it's okay. I get to my dad, I'm out of this. My dad's not going to hurt me. And I knew if it came down to it, my dad would destroy every bit of hay in there to get to me. But I need you to understand, I knew my dad's voice. And just the pure comfort in that moment of the tone of my dad's voice calling my name, I knew I was okay.
I knew he was going to get to me. I knew he wasn't going to get me more lost. I knew he was going to tell me the way to go because I knew his voice. I had heard his voice my entire life. And it wasn't loud. I still actively remember hearing the sounds of everything else going on, but knowing, and once I connected to my dad's voice, everything seemed to lower. And I just kept listening because he didn't stop calling me until I was in his arms. Today, you have a father calling you. And that sound, that sound that your soul resonates with and says, that's my dad. That sound is calling you. Do not ignore that sound. Make your sound hit the right frequency of his God hears your heart. He knows your heart. He knows where you are and he knows where he wants you to be. God did not leave you. God did not say, well, you got yourself in this mess. You better figure it out. God says, hey, I know. I've been through everything the world can throw. I've been through it. Come to me. Come to me. Know my voice more. Be so in tune to me that you can feel God's heartbeat. Because that's the sound of heaven. That is the sound that God is calling you to make. So whatever this is, whatever God is telling you, do it. Whatever God is telling you, do it. But I don't want any of you to be silent because it's easy and comfortable to be quiet. It's respectful to be quiet. I don't need respect. I need you to be obedient. God wants you to be obedient. So when we go into worship, which is us joining in to this heavenly chorus that is happening all the time in heaven. We get to tune into that frequency and we get to throw our voice into the mix of eternity that is screaming, holy, holy, holy God. Do not leave here without giving God his breath back.